Well, welcome to Uncharted Ministries. Tom and Joanne Doyle here. And today we want to talk about persecution, Christian persecution. There's been a lot of fallout since October 7th. And Joanne, it's like we say, first it starts with the Jews, then it comes to the Christians always, doesn't it? Exactly. And the enemies are the same as well. Persecution's very much the same, but so are our like enemies, sadly. So it's just right. how, um, how much this is a spiritual battle. It's not just a physical battle here on the ground. It really is a That's battle right. raging in the heavenlies. That's right. And so Israel, the Jews have been persecuted for over 4,000 years. The church, 2,000 years. But you can ju- they're kind of like identical twins. When we see anti-Semitism growing, the next target is the church. In fact, in the Middle East, there's only two targets, the Jews and the Christians. And we see that happen often. And since October 7th, we've seen some big changes in the Middle East, right, Joanne? Oh my goodness, it has changed so much. Um, One of the things that we've seen that we're so excited about is we're seeing that the Jews are more open than ever to Jesus, to the gospel. They're asking questions. They're wanting to know more about what the Bible says, meaning the New Testament Bible. So that veil that has been over their hearts that Paul talked about all the way in Romans is starting to come down. And that is something we as the body of Christ has been, we've been praying for that for decades. And so it's exciting to see that start to happen. And then when you look at Arabs, uh, they're going through, we used to call it the ISIS effect. Now it's the Hamas effect and good hearted Muslims that really don't want anything to do with jihad or Sharia law. And they're miserable living in it Mm -hmm. are wanting change. And they're hearing about Jesus. And some of them are having dreams and some are reading the Bible. And in fact, one of our Gaza Muslim background believers has led more than a few people to faith in Christ during this horrible time in Gaza. But let's just travel around a little bit, Joanne. And um, in Jordan, what happened after October 7th? Because we get through November, then Christmas is coming. And what happened with the Mm. churches in Jordan? Yeah, one of the sad things is that what happens in one Middle East country, of course, spreads to all the other countries, even if they're not exactly involved in um, whatever the devastation is, the war, Mm -hmm. for instance. So in Jordan, the believers, and and there are a lot of above ground churches in Jordan. There's a lot of Catholic churches, Greek Orthodox churches, and also evangelical churches. Well, do you know that Jordan um, banned all and any Christmas program. Basically, they canceled Christmas. They didn't want any kind of celebration of Jesus at all. Well, what do you think the body of Christ is going to do with that? Um, talk a yeah. little bit about that. Tom. It's exciting so, to see how our leaders handled this. So the leaders we work with decided to boycott the boycott. That's and right. decided That's we're not going to do that. Yeah. And we are celebrating Christmas. And it's sad. Uh, obviously, in Jordan, there's a very high... Palestinian population. And so many felt out of respect, you know, because of what's going on in Gaza, they're not going to celebrate Christmas. In fact, Bethlehem did that. There was no Christmas celebration. For the first time ever. No tree up, no nothing. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the believers we work with in Jordan said, we're going to celebrate Christmas. And they did. And they had thousands of people that were involved and there, and it was just beautiful to see the results of it. So they did. They boycotted the boycott. Mm, Praise God. And not only there, but in Syria. Do you know right now that if you were a believer in Syria and you even mentioned the word Israel on the street, and you don't have to even be a believer, Mm -hmm. but just the word Israel is so sensitive. If that's heard coming from your lips and someone reports you, 
you are immediately arrested. Mm -hmm. There's no court case. They take you to jail. There's such a sensitivity to Israel and there may be spies there or there may mm -hmm. be sympathizers. So think about that, Joanne, for a pastor in Syria, in a, an above ground church, that's throwing out 80% of your Bible. Right. You can't talk about Israel. You can't talk or, about it. Or if you're reading a passage and the word Israel is in that sentence, in that verse, and someone hears that, they can turn you in and that pastor can be arrested. That's right. That is just how bad things have fallen. And truly, this is a picture of what Jesus said would happen in Matthew 24 when his disciples came to him and they asked him, how will we know when the end is coming? Mm -hmm. Jesus wants us to be prepared just as he wanted his his followers living with him in that, in that period of time 2,000 years ago, wanted us to know what the signs were before his return. And we are seeing those in living color. And part of that is the increase of persecution. Worldwide. So true. And so there was a massacre in Israel by Hamas. There was a massacre in Nigeria as Christians were killed, hundreds of them. And sadly, Joanne, it seems like when this happens, this is a, a cycle we've seen repeated in Nigeria and some of the other countries in Africa. It just doesn't make the news. We mm -hmm, just right. barely heard about it and um, hundreds uh, perished, how, how sad that is. But again, it's not the Middle East, it's not Israel, mm -hmm. didn't make the news, but wasn't we just- Wasn't against Jews. Yeah, you wasn't against the, Jews. The saying, no Jews, no news. Yeah. And that is a sad picture of what is happening today as anti-Semitism is rising. rising. Persecution is rising and, and with that is anti-Semitism worldwide. We've all seen it on our, sadly, on our Ivy, Ivy League campuses. We've seen it all over America. Here we live in little Frisco, Texas. And at one of our local outdoor malls, it's a really nice affluent area. There was protesting going on there. You know, those supporting Israel on one side of the, you know, the mall and on the other side are those that are, are really, they're supporting Hamas. They're supporting terrorism. And there's also a mosque in, in Frisco, Texas, right. not far from us. And the imam was railing against Israel and the Jews are the problem for everything and they need to be eliminated. That's not coming out of Baghdad. That's coming out of right. the Dallas area here. So it's all over. And then also we want to talk about, this would be a great time, Joanne, to talk about 838. We have a Facebook page mm -hmm. and it's the number 830 spelled out and then eight. And we pray for believers in prison, persecution and danger every night at 8.38 p.m. And the reason we chose that is because of Romans 8.38 that says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we want believers to know in harm's way that we're praying for them and many of them uh, tonight at 838 will be starting their day the next morning. And we want them to know that we prayed for them, we're with them. And sadly, Joanne, we used to do a story about once a week. Now it is daily. There is a daily story on yeah. Christian persecution. So somewhere on, in the world, somewhere in the world. So go on the Facebook page and like it and you'll get updates and you can pray for your brothers and sisters on the front lines really in real time. Mm -hmm. So that's an important Probably. thing to do. Nigeria, big persecution, Yemen persecution oh, going on. Goodness, Believers, yes. it's an unre unreached people group in Yemen. And of course, with the Houthis going against Israel, you can imagine uh, if believers were found out, they would be in trouble and they would be persecuted. But Joanne, one of the things that we 
love about where we work is the believers inspire us. In fact, we have learned more about walking with Christ from the persecuted believers in the Middle East than than any group of people we've ever worked with. And so you have a story mm. about Fariba in yeah. Iran. So what, why don't you tell that story? This is a victorious story. We're going to tell two or three stories here. It's what we love to do. Right. And I think that the timing of the story of Fariba is so perfect and that, um, as we know, Iran is the proxy behind all of these different wars that are, are different, the persecution that's breaking out in all these different countries. They're the ones funding Hamas. They're the ones funding, sure. you know, the in Yemen with the Houthis. They're the one funding even in Lebanon with Hezbollah. So they are really the ones behind everything. So here's this country that where the government is so anti-Israel, so anti-Christian, yet that it does not reflect the people of Iran. So many of them are completely, um, have turned away from Islam. Many of them are atheist, but most of them are searching. So the story of Fariba. So Fariba is um, married. Her husband is addicted to drugs. Mm -hmm. Drug is, drugs is a huge problem in Iran. And so he's addicted to drugs and she has three different jobs, but he just squanders all of the money that she makes so that he can mm -hmm. purchase drugs. Does he have a job? No. No, he's a, a, making her work. Exactly. They have a 15-year-old son. They're so poor. They live above a welding shop in a one-room little shanty. And so Fariba is so discouraged. She feels like she is worthless. In fact, she starts asking, why am I even alive? You know, my life has absolutely no value. Why am I even here? That's right. So she went out and bought a bottle of pills and she decided she was gonna take her life. And she bought that bottle of pills, put it in her pocketbook. And she said she was just waiting for the right opportunity to take them. And for three weeks, she pondered, is today the day? Am I gonna take those pills today? And you know, the reason of course she held back is because of her 15 year old son. Right. One interesting piece to note is that in Iran, it's one of the few countries in the world where the suicide rate is higher in women than it is in men. Typically it's the opposite. Men suicide rates higher, women are typically more concerned about the livelihood of their children. So they endure more um, because of that, mm -hmm. but not in Iran. The desperation is just so steep. So um, one day Fariba gets on the bus going to one of her jobs for work. She sits on that bus and she's so discouraged, so depressed. She opens up her purse and she's just staring at that bottle of pills that's calling her name. Well, sitting across from her is a, a believer. Her name is Sarah. She's a Muslim background believer. And you know, you have to understand too, Tom, you know this, but sure. friends listening in, in um, Iran, if you are caught sharing the gospel, I mean, that is, imprisonment or death for sure it is against the law there is no leniency with that but sarah saw the sadness and the desperation in fariba and she happened to come and sit down right next to her in the empty seat and asked her are you okay fariba or she didn't know her name are you okay you mm -hmm. look so sad and oh i'm fine i'm fine and then sarah said i've i want to give you this and she handed her a book and it was a book about women in the bible all these different stories about women in the Bible. And Fariba's first response was, no, 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 I have no money. I can't buy that. And Sarah said, no, this is a gift. I, I want you to have this. And so she gives it to Fariba and Fariba's just looking at it, doesn't quite know what to make of this. Why is this woman being nice mm -hmm. to me? Why is she even mm -hmm. talking to is me? Is she selling something? Yeah, what does she want from me, right? Um, the bus stops and Sarah gets off and Fariba notices that. And she's like, oh my gosh, this may be my opportunity 
she got off the bus and kind of followed after her. Wait, wait, wait. So she stopped Sarah. They sat down and talked for two hours. And Fariba shared so much of her heartbreak and so much of her longing um, for more. And But the first thing, I, I, I forgot this part. I can't miss this part. The first thing that Fariba said to Sarah when she stopped her, she said, did God send you to mm. me? And Sarah said, yes. God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. He sees value in you. Well, she had no idea what that Fariba was thinking that she was worthless, but those were the words that came out of Sarah's mouth. They sat down and talked for a couple hours, and um, she shared the story, the salvation plan of Jesus, but Fariba just was not ready. So Sarah wrote her phone number in the front of that book and said, call me if you ever have any questions. So Fariba goes to work. She comes back home. By the time she gets home, it's, of course, dark. There's her husband in a you know drugged stupor there and her 15-year-old yeah. son wanting dinner. Um, and so the evening settles down and Fariba goes and gets her purse. And what does she see? That bottle of pills That's right. calling her name. But right next to it is that book of women in the Bible. And so Fariba picks up that book. She said, when I started reading it, it was dark outside. I started reading that book. And she said, page after page after I read of these women in the Bible, I could relate to their stories, something in every one of their stories I could relate to. She said she wept through each story. Mm. She said she read through the entire book. By the time she turned the very last page, she looked out the window and the sun was coming up. She had stayed up all night long reading that book. And so the first thing that she did when it was you know, the appropriate time was to call Sarah. And they got together again. Sarah and Fariba, and now she was ready for Jesus. She was ready to make that commitment. She was ready, as we know, the, the questions that are so often asked when, when someone from a Muslim background yeah. comes to faith in Jesus is, one, are you ready to suffer for Jesus? You probably will suffer. And then secondly, are you ready to die for mm. Jesus? You know, that could happen, especially in Iran. But Fariba was so desperate for truth and for hope that she said yes, and she gave her life to Christ. And she said, oh my goodness, immediately that depression and that darkness fled. She flushed those pills down the toilet. And now she is a leader in the Iranian church, um, Fariba is. She and Sarah work together and she is sharing other, sharing with other women the hope that can be found only in Christ. That and you know, Joanne, I love that story. Oh. And what really touches me is when she jumped off the bus and went after Sarah and here's this woman that's lonely, working three jobs. The husband doesn't care. She's got all the pressure in the world. She's got a way out to kill herself. And she thinks nobody cares about me. And her question is, did God yes, send sir. you to me? And of course he did. And so that just touches my heart. Those are the yes. kind of stories that we hear around the Middle East. In fact, when we first started going to the Middle East mm -hmm. years ago, way back before we had these and tablets and all that stuff, we used to take a legal pad. Remember that? That's and we'd right. write down all the story. And I would remember just doing line by line. Wait a minute. Can you say this again? I want to make sure I get it right. Because we speak in a lot of churches and we think people won't... Won't believe believe us, they're going to have a hard time <laughs> believing this. So we're going to get every detail right. right. And the beautiful thing about a story like Fariba is that's happening in the midst of terrible things happening in their country. People are being killed for their faith. In fact, if you follow the news, there was just a, a young woman, my gosh, I think a week or so ago, who was who was t given 40 lashes yeah. for not wearing her hijab properly. And her response was, 
I willingly am doing this. I will yeah. die. And not just for myself to have freedom, but for women around the world to have freedom. So desperation really drives people to the cross. So what Satan means for evil, God certainly uses for good. Boy, that's true. Okay, so so we've been to another Iran. Yeah, Let's go story. to Syria. How about Syria? Just over the fence in the Golan Heights from uh, Israel. And, uh, you know, one of the tricks in Israel with the government is they separate all the religions. The The Druze are in the South, Alawites are in the North, Muslims are in the central part, and the government just tries to keep them apart because they all fight each other. The country becomes unstable, and so they, they just don't want them to be around each other. There's definite separation of the different religions. Well, anyway, uh, Rami is a pastor and he's a pastor on a, in an above ground church in Northern Syria. And so there he is, pastors of church, Muslim family walks in one day and, uh, unashamedly they're at the church. It's a husband and wife and they have children and they make a beeline for the pastor after the service. And they have questions about Jesus and they've been having dreams. Uh, they've been meeting Christians, they sense something different. They're dissatisfied with Islam. They've just gone through a 10-year war, mm -hmm. Joanne. So they're sick and tired of religious wars and they have questions. And so as they're talking with Rami, mm -hmm. he's answering the questions and he can see God is moving in their heart. But Rami has a decision to make with that, right, Joanne? Because in Syria, it is illegal for him to share the gospel with a Muslim all someone has to do is just hear about it, call the police, he's arrested, no longer a pastor, and things are bad for him from now on. So anyway, finally it comes to the point where he knows they want to know Jesus. And so he asks them the questions, are you willing to suffer for your faith? Because it can happen to you. And it may be your family, probably will be, that they'll be the ones that persecute you, the people that love you the most could hate you the most after you receive Jesus. Are you willing to suffer? We're willing to suffer. Are you willing to die for Jesus? That's the second question. Those are the two questions. You're willing to suffer for Jesus. Are you willing to die for Jesus? Yes, we are. They're so convinced, yeah, Joanne, that so they know passionate. the truth already. They, they're ready to commit their lives and they're ready to die for Jesus. And I think about this every time we hear a story or we're privileged to lead a Muslim to faith in Christ and ask him those two questions. I think, can you imagine if we had those two questions in the new members class when I was a pastor for 20 years? I mean, that would have just cleared out the right, class yeah. right there. I, am I willing to suffer? I didn't think this was a part of it, but it is for Muslims. And they gloriously come to faith in Christ. They have children who are ready, they see what's happened with their parents, they pray to receive Christ, and they follow it up. What is the line in the sand mm. for former Muslims, right. Joanne? What ba is it? Baptism. Yeah, baptism, baptism is it. And they want to be baptized immediately right after they're saved. And it reminds me of my friend Mohammed in Jordan. One time I met him and he'd been a believer a few months. And I said, are you going to be baptized? And he said, I've already been baptized. I was baptized two weeks after I was saved. Mm -hmm. And I said, you were? That's pretty exciting. A lot of Muslims take some while to think through it. Am I ready for this? And he just looked at me simply and he said, you know, Tom, baptism, when you come to faith in Christ, is an initiation, not a graduation. It's exactly supposed to be right. immediate. 
And boy, he did. And believe so does, and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. And so that's exactly what happens with this couple. They are baptized. Well, about a month later, somehow it gets out. Someone in the family finds out that they've not only accepted Christ, but the final straw. They have been baptized. They called the government. They report Rami. They come up with some crazy story that he kidnapped them and forced mm -hmm. him to be baptized. They just can't even imagine that this could be willing that they truly received mm -hmm. Jesus and were baptized. Just, they can't even fathom that. So he's driving in a car with his wife and all of a sudden the police pull him over and he's arrested. And they're up in northern Syria and they take him all the way to Damascus. His wife follows. No word on why he's being arrested. He doesn't even have an idea. And then as he starts to get close to inner Damascus, he thinks, I wonder if it has to do with this family that came to faith in Christ. Sure enough, that's what it is. They book him at the jail. They're putting him in prison in Damascus. They tell his wife, you can leave. He's going to prison for proselytizing. Mm -hmm. And away he goes. But sadly, in Damascus, there is a, a jail that uh, people will go to for various violations. And it, there's a ground floor level. But progressively, there's three levels down. And the worse the crime, the farther the you deeper. go down. The yeah. deeper you go down. Mm -hmm. And the third level beyond the the uh, main floor is the dungeon. Mm -hmm. In fact, people in the area call it the dungeon of Damascus. Ugh. And he knows where he's headed. And as he walks down and he's taken down into that dungeon, he realizes that with all the things they checked him and they um, took his cell phone, took his cell phone, everything. He goes down and he wonders what's going to happen. And he realized he had a New Testament in his pocket. And he looked at the, the prison guard taking him down. He said, oh, I forgot this. Do you need to take this? And he said, uh, no, you can take it with you. So he thought, I have my Bible. I can't believe it. Well, he goes in, the door clanks shut. He's in a prison with 38 Muslims, mm. 38 and one believer in Christ. And, and so there and he is. And not just Muslims. Hardline. Hardline Muslims. Yes. We're talking radical Muslims. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sharia law Muslims, jihadists. There they are. Gone against the government. They're thrown in. Mm -hmm. And they're in the dungeon in Damascus. So there he is. And as he walked down, there was a sign mm -hmm. as he gets down to the third floor. And it says this, you deserve to die here. So there he is, 38 Muslims. He's in prison. And he said, in his mind, he reasoned out, my life is over. There's is the absolutely end. no way I'm getting out of here. These are all hardened Muslims. He knew by the names what they did, a lot of terrorists. And, and so he knows what's going to happen. And he thought, Lord, I just want to be faithful. I know I'm going to die. The government's not going to do it, but it's the good old boys in prison. They're going to take mm -hmm. care of it. So he decided I'm going out with everything that's in me. I'm going to walk yeah. with Jesus till the end. So the smells were atrocious. There's no latrine. The the screams mm -hmm. that he heard up and down the hall, uh, everything was it's just black, the worst. Dark, dark. You can't see. There's kind of some foggy windows. You can see a little bit shadows and things like that, but can't see real clearly. Mm -hmm. And finally they come and just start throwing the pita bread mm. into the into the prisoners and it's on the floor. And you can imagine what's been on the floor and mm. throw it on the floor and 
Everybody's grabbing it. And he said, it just came out. The Holy Spirit, it just came out. And he said, hey, in my faith, we pray before we eat. Can I say a prayer? And as soon as that came out, he thought, boy, someone's going to just hit me in the face. And the guy that this this leader, I guess, is just kind of everybody uh, looks to him and respects him, just looks over at him. What? Oh, well, we pray before we, can I pray? Yeah, whatever. And so he prays and prays and asks Jesus to fill the prison. And something changes in that prison when he does that. And the authority of the Lord entered that prison. And through the next five days, he said it was one miracle after another. The first night he goes to bed, puts his back against the wall, skids down and sits on the floor. You got to protect your back. And that's how he sleeps. And in the middle of the night, he feels a tap on his shoulder. And it's someone that whispers and says, can you memorize my number? Can I give you my phone number? If we ever get out of here alive, you have to call me. And he said, okay. And he whispered back to him. Rami does, why do I need to call you? And he said, because you spoke about Jesus and I've been having dreams about Jesus. Oh boy. Oh my God. Have we hit pay dirt here? And, and he's reading scripture to them. They're they're hearing God's word for the first time. And that's where the power is in God's word, that's right? That's right. So he's reading scripture. He's singing. He's being contacted at night. Meanwhile, his wife is not hearing anything. She doesn't know what's happened to Rami. Is he be beaten up? Is he dead? Or am I going to find out two months later he's dead? And they shot him and you have to pay for their bullets. Mm, that's what they that's do in right, yeah. Syria. And so anyway, it, it, day after day, he, he said each night he'd go to bed, another tap on the shoulder. If we ever get out of here, memorize my number. And when it ends up after five days, he's got four numbers memorized. They, the guard comes in and he says, you're released. He's released? Are, are you kidding? Can that happen? He gets out calls his wife. She's racing down to see him. The team there in Syria is just can't believe he's out. They call us in America. He's out. Rami's out. And his wife drives mm -hmm. up and there he is outside of the prison. She runs up and hugs him and looks at him. And she's looking at his face for mm -hmm. scars and marks and where he's been beaten up. And she said, Rami, are you okay? How was it? And he just looked at her and he said, mm -hmm. it was the five best days of my life. I, I just can't believe what I saw Jesus do in that prison. 38 men heard the gospel, heard the scripture, heard me pray. Four of them want to get together if they ever get out alive. So we prayed for those four men and they did get out. That's right. All four of them got out. They ended up making an appointment with Rami. He led them to faith in Christ and their family. And that's the power of the gospel in the darkness, in the evil mm -hmm. places, in the Damascus dungeon, right, right, Joanne? The power of persecution. You know, here in America or in the West or even human nature in general, we want life to be easy and happy. We don't want to see our kids or our grandkids suffer, our loved ones. We want things to be smooth, right? That's but right. it's during times of persecution that when people are truly at their wits end and it feels like there is no hope, that that's when we really truly call out on God, call out to God, and He responds and answers in ways that we cannot fathom. Um, you know, I love it. You know, Scripture tells us, I love Jeremiah 33, 3, call on me and I will tell you right. great and mighty things you do not know. And so often when things are great, we don't think to call on God, but when things are tough, that's when people truly 
call out to God. And you know, I was thinking, Joanne, on October 7th, as the world was watching what was happening and just the horrific attack on Israel and some of the things that we were hearing about, I mean, babies being put oh. in ovens. I mean, it's just, it's just horrific. It's from the pit of hell. Would we have thought at that time that people would be excited about telling Muslims about Jesus? Mm, Absolutely not. True. Would you think that, is it even possible for a Muslim to be saved? I mean, those were some of the questions we were getting. Right. Are Muslims, are any of them coming to faith in Christ? And the answer is yes. yes. More Muslims have come to faith in Christ in the last 10 years than in the last 1400 years of Islam. Right. And it just goes back to this verse in the Bible that's usually connected with birth in the Bible, is there anything too hard for God? That's right. And since October 7th, our, I found the truth films of former Muslims have just skyrocketed. You would think, and I always think the body of Christ is upside down. It's not, you can't predict it. Most people would be shying away from Muslims. I'm not going to talk to them. They're dangerous. Mm -hmm. Right. The exact opposite has happened. People are getting on, I found the truth, and watching these video testimonies, how Muslims have come to faith in Christ. And Joanne, almost every one of them we've ever filmed have been persecuted. That's right. Absolutely, you're right. They've been persecuted for their faith. For their faith. faith in Jesus. And most of them, that was even here in America, mm -hmm. that they were persecuted. So is there anything too hard for God? There is not. Muslims are coming to faith in Christ um, people all throughout the Middle East are open to the gospel. They're fearing for their lives. So we need to pray for the church. We do. And I was going to say, even in Gaza, you know, right now, Gaza is the enemy to so many believers, of course, and Hamas, absolutely. The terrorists, absolutely. But God tells us that no one is off his table. He desires that none should perish apart from him. And that would include a, the heart of a terrorist. So, mm. um, who knows how some of these terrorists may turn their lives over That's to right. Christ. Do they, do they deserve heaven? Do they deserve salvation? No, but neither do we. That's right. You know, all of us have sinned. All of us fall short of the glory of God, but for the love and the blood that Christ shed for us. So even in Gaza, people are coming to faith in Christ. As you said earlier, Tom, Mohammed, our dear friend in Gaza, has been sharing the gospel with so many people. He has led people to faith in Christ, and some of them have already been killed in this war right. by the crossfire. Um, his wife and his sister-in-law, they are saying their only hope is in Jesus right. right now. Can you imagine living in the constant barrage of those rocket attacks, knowing they're coming from your area, mm -hmm. but you don't want it? That's um, right. That's what these with dear little children and too. they have children that's right they have small kids they don't want this either um but they are they have the hope of jesus and and they have all said our life may end because of this war but we know that we then will begin eternity with christ and so they are sharing the hope that is within them to all the folks that around that are around them that also despise hamas and they want hamas destroyed and they are finding that Jesus loves them, mm -hmm. which is, we, we don't hear that on the news. We, we follow a lot of news feeds as you may well be doing too, as we're watching this horrible war in Israel, but God is doing things in the hearts of both the Jews and the Muslims, because as he said in his word, nothing is too difficult for That's me. So true. So we want to invite you to pray as you're praying for the situation in Israel, praying for Jewish people, praying for them to come to faith in Christ, to give their lives to Messiah. 
pray for the church in the Middle East. Pray for the church around the world Mm -hmm. as it's experiencing persecution. In many of the places where this is happening, it's not being reported. In fact, it's being covered up. There's a lot of countries that are nervous about being profiled as Islamophobic or whatever, and they're not even talking about Mm -hmm. what's happening to their own people. So we need to pray for the body of Christ. We need to put the armor of God on every day Mm -hmm. as we walk in this wicked world. We're aliens, we're sojourners, we don't belong here. We're the church, we're the ek kaleo, the called out ones. We don't belong here anymore. And so we don't fit here Mm -hmm. anymore and we will be persecuted. The church is experiencing persecution. Israel is experiencing persecution. Pray for them both. Joanne, you want to close this in prayer? Yes, yes, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that your heart is for every single soul that you have ever created, every man, woman, and child. And so we pray for those who are in harm's way right now who don't know you as Savior. Father, we pray for the Jews as that veil is starting to fall from their heart. Would you open their eyes to Jesus as Messiah? We pray for Muslims who are fed up with Islam and are, are looking for answers. Would you show yourself strong on their behalf? May they too find faith in you, Jesus, and you alone. May they forsake the false religion of Islam and embrace the truth of Jesus. And Father, we, we can't help but also pray for those dear, precious hostages that have been mm-hmm. held now. Today is a day 102. Mm. And Father, we don't know how many are still alive. We don't know their conditions. We know those who have been released have talked about how horrible they were treated. We know some are still injured. We know there's still babies there. There's the elderly. There's a lot of young men. There's still young women there. Jesus, you see every single one of them. You know where they are. They are not hidden from your sight. Would you reach out to them and draw their souls to you as well? May they find Jesus as Messiah, as Lord and Savior, even while they're in captivity. And then, Lord, we pray for the terrorists. Um, Oh, God, humble them. Mm -hmm. Drop them on their face in utter repentance. May they um, turn from their wicked ways. May they even come and help to help those hostages be released. Do something miraculous. But we also pray for the heart of those terrorists, mm-hmm. knowing that they will face eternity in hell, separated from you if they don't give their life to you. Oh, Jesus, we pray for all of those soldiers who are so bravely fighting, men and women both, who are in Gaza, who are in the West Bank, who are even up in the north fighting Hezbollah. Would you give them your divine wisdom and your protection? And for those who are in leadership, oh, Father, we pray for them too, all the military leaders making decisions. May they not just rely on their own strength and their own smartness. May they call out on the name Mm -hmm. of Yahweh, the one true God. And then, Father, for those that are in the other nations surrounding in Syria and Lebanon Mm. and Yemen and all throughout the Middle East, Iran, oh, Jesus, we pray for those who are being persecuted for their faith. Would you be their strength? Would you be the lifter of their head? Would you walk through them through their dark days and their dark trials? And who we, what we've learned as we've shared these, these few stories with Rami and Fariba, there are so many Ramis and Faribas out there and men in That's the prison, right. people who are being faithful, sharing the gospel, and those who are desperately looking for truth. Continue to do your great work. You are our great God. We worship you, and we thank you for how you are working in these last days before your return. Um, so many need to know that you came the first time before you return for the second time. So may all of us as the followers of Christ be faithful to use our lips and our lives to speak and reflect your glory so that more and more can be invited into the kingdom of God. We love you, Jesus, and we worship you. 
and we pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joanne. Tom and Joanne Doyle, Uncharted Ministries podcast. Thank you for Thank being you for with us. Thank you for joining us. Bye now.